I think like college is a perfect training ground for a lot of things. Um, nothing that we did uh, is, is unrepeatable. But the important thing to, to keep in mind there is that it takes a lot of the drive and good habits that you set up now to, to be successful later. And anybody listening, if they're in college, um, you can do it. Take that, take that business idea and, and get it started. Welcome back to the ninth episode of The Up and Coming, a podcast where we sit down with local founders, investors, and thought leaders every single week to share their journeys and unique perspectives. Most college dining halls are pretty hit or miss. And if you're not eating at the dining hall, then how many times are you really going to eat at Chick-fil-A or Panda Express? Either you're paying $9 to $10 for a seemingly unhealthy meal, or you're waiting in a 20 to 30 minute line. While trying to balance coursework, clubs, internships, and even relationships. With these options, it often seems like a lot of work to prioritize eating healthy. But it shouldn't be that way. Inspired by their own lifestyle changes, four UCD students have teamed up to create Campus Oven, a startup whose mission is to make healthy food accessible on campus, but more importantly, affordable. In this episode, Harshini Walipoli and Sarah Romanko, two e-club officers chat with Benny Rubinov and Rohit Shinoy two of the four co-founders of Campus Oven, about their personal health journeys and how they've used their skills to transform this idea into a fully functioning, value-driven business. Listen in as they both drop key startup tips to help you build your next big business venture. With that being said, stay safe and enjoy the episode. So Rohit and Benny, if y'all just want to introduce yourselves, um, where your background, your your major, how did y'all even meet? Um, go ahead. Rohit, want to go? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, so I'm Rohit. First off, congrats on the ninth episode. That's awesome. I didn't know y'all you all were at number nine. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, regarding background, um, starting from the beginning, I was born in Pennsylvania, but then my family moved to India when I was pretty young. Um, and so I grew up most of my life in India, kind of, kind of as a middle class and moved around a lot in India. So that was a great experience. And then um, we moved to America when I was in high school. And so that transition was interesting, uh, a little challenging, uh, but I learned a lot from it that I think I still use uh, to this day. And when I came here, I I saw a lot of the opportunities that were available um, in America. And like one of the first ones that I saw was like, oh, you know, I could do tutoring to a bunch of friends um, or people that are in the underclassmen uh, for SAT, ACT, things like that, um, and then charge them for it. And so there were a lot of different things um, that I realized like that when I was in high school. So um, my first business was a tutoring business. Um, and then that really got me into entrepreneurship. And unfortunately, I had to stop that once I got into college. Um, but in college, um, I helped start a business when I was a sophomore called Fix Food. Um, that was pretty fun. We did it for a while and then decided to shut it down. And now me and Benny are uh, involved with Campus 7. So it's been a pretty cool journey so far and um, have loved you know, entrepreneurship and starting businesses all through it. That's awesome. Benny, what about you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm Plano, Plano born and raised. Um, <laughs> I've kind of, so I've stayed here my whole life and uh, Although I felt like, you know, it's maybe don't get as much of the value of moving around and the experiences and learning experiences that come with that, that might have had. Um, I do feel like 
my, my parents are from Uzbekistan. So that, that difference in background, that kind of uh, fresh off the boat <laughs> background has helped a lot in, in me helping to, you know, or basically like focusing on um, kind of opening my eyes to, you know, other cultures and other experiences. Um, they've always pushed me really hard as a result. And I've kind of felt that um, I felt obliged to like make their investment to come to the, to, to the U.S. with little to nothing um, kind of worth it. Uh, and so I've pushed myself very hard as a consequence. And I, um, I kind of always found that like I wanted to, to challenge myself in different ways. So as a kid, I'd, I'd uh, play a ton of chess and um, got pretty good at that. My dad had this kind of like chess club every Saturday um, when we were kids. And a lot of the other Russian, Russian Jews in the community would come together and play every Saturday. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and then that kind of transitioned into like high school. I, I was always kind of a social butterfly. I decided to run for a junior class president. I got it. Um, and that opened my eyes a little bit to, man, I, I really like this, uh, this talking thing. So I need to keep doing that talking. when I get to college. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, how do you, it's like, how do you, how do you find a job that pays you to talk all day? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and, uh, income's entrepreneurship. <laughs> income's um, entrepreneurship. Yes, sir. Exactly. So, uh, you know, coming into UTD, I, I definitely have that entrepreneurial mindset that, that love to create and build and, and that's kind of gotten me to where I am today. Definitely. Well, I can see that those, uh, it seems like uh, for both of you guys, your experiences when you were younger definitely shaped where you are today. Um, so in these past four years, how do you guys find meaning in what you've done so far in your major, your extracurriculars, and any other side activities? Um, I can start for this one. Um, so... I'm currently a junior, so I've only been in college for about oh, okay. three years. <laughs> I knew good. Um, but I, I came in as a mechanical engineering major, realized that that was um, I, I would have to be on campus all eight semesters. And so quickly, like, changed that into um, computer science. Um, and I've always been interested in, in business, but I knew that that was kind of something that I could pick up on my own and learn about on the side just because I was passionate about it. Um, mm -hmm. So the main reason I picked uh, CS was kind of like, all right, I can get some technical skills and challenge myself a little bit harder um, by doing CS. And so um, still a CS major, have a year and a half left to graduate. <laughs> uh, so that'll you know, hope, hopefully happen pretty soon. Um, but in terms of extracurriculars, actually me and Benny kind of did this thing when I was a freshman and he was a sophomore called the Halt Prize, which is kind of like a pitch competition um, you basically mm -hmm. pitch an entrepreneurial idea, um, and if you win, kind of like the local competition or whatever, you go and present at the at the kind of regional uh, North America competition. And thankfully, me and Benny um, did pretty well in that, and got a chance to go and present in Mexico City. Um, and so, I think both of us from that experience learned a lot about entrepreneurship and um, all the resources out there that kind of promoted this while you were a student, especially at UTD with Blackstone Launchpad. Um, and so I've had a pretty positive experience overall um, at UTD with both, you know, computer science, entrepreneurship, um, and everything startup related. So, okay, so Benny, you are, you're a physics major, right? I am a physics major, yeah. So, so physics major, entrepreneurship, tell us the connection. Yeah, I, I get this question um, here and there. And, you know, usually when I tell someone I'm a physics major, they, they kind of go, why? 
Um, so it's a good question. <laughs> um, I think this ties into so it, similar sentiment to Rohit, I guess starting sentiment is that uh, I wanted a major that didn't require to me, me to be on campus all four years and that was pretty flexible with its, its degree plan. Um, but on top of that, like I, I like solving problems. I do like challenging myself, tying into that whole, whole chess thing. And so I thought physics was interesting in high school. I was pretty good at it back then. So I, I wanted to challenge myself through it. But I did come in freshman year as an undeclared, trying to explore options. And so like all of freshman year, I was taking business classes and realized I didn't like the classes form of business that I wanted to actually go do it. And then I uh, took mechanical engineering classes as well and then realized I hate mechanical engineering. <laughs> um, and so I transitioned sophomore year to, to declaring physics and haven't looked okay. back. You learned the first lesson of business. You learn it by doing, not by being in the class. Exactly. How did you guys um, come up with the idea for Campus Oven? Yeah, so when I was a sophomore, um, I was working on this startup called Fix Food. So that was a food delivery company. Um, essentially, if you've heard of HelloFresh, it's pretty similar to that. Mm -hmm. What we do is we deliver uh, groceries and recipes to your doorstep. Uh, and the thing was, we were doing it for $5 a meal, which was way cheaper than what anyone else was doing at the time. Um, and so I helped start that with a few other people. And all those people were in their 30s. So I actually learned a ton from them. Um, and it was really helpful for everything that we did with Campus Oven. And so while we were doing that, I got to learn a lot about the food industry and realized that you know, caterers have um, very low operating costs. And, um, you know, I, we all have this problem on campus where there's like a huge lack of healthy food options. You know, you go around campus, you go to the SU, you see your Chick-fil-A's, your Panda Expresses, um, but you don't really see any healthy food options. And then, you know, at the dining hall, you have the same problem. There's like one salad section. But besides that, it's pretty generally unhealthy. And so I was thinking, okay, this is a problem that I faced on campus. Um, like I was gaining weight because I was eat I was not eating healthy. And also these caterers have very low costs to produce food. Why not just connect these two um, industries and essentially be able to provide college students like another option to be able to eat healthy and feel better um, throughout the day. So that's how the whole idea essentially started. And then I think the idea is like a very small part of the company. I think the much, much bigger part is executing it. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Benny could talk more about that. Yeah. Benny, when, when um, I think when you, when you heard this idea, right, from Rohit, who wanted to kind of like you know, start this and really push this forward, what was your initial reaction? Like what, what went through your mind? I was like, this is a great idea. Um, how much time is this going to take? Uh, <laughs> because I, I definitely had thought about, I've always kind of wanted to start a business of my own, um, tying into some of the things I did in undergrad. Um, but I don't think I, I ever really got around to it fully. Um, I, I think most of it was kind of a lack of an idea. Um, but when Rohit came to me, I was kind of like, okay, this, this could be it. Um, are we are we committed? If if we are committed, what what can I clear out of my schedule currently to to like make time for this new venture? Um, that was the initial reaction. Yeah. So when you guys um, started and moved forward, um, I'm sure you did a lot of market research. Obviously, like you know, getting feedback from people, mentors, possibly. What feedback did people have for you, or or even just like for this for Campus Seven? Like, how would you describe your target customer? Like, who would who would, who are you trying to target for 
to grow this company? Yeah, our, our target customer um, is mostly, I mean, our tagline is kind of that we're, we're catered towards students. So a lot of our focus has to go with like providing these healthy, sustainable, affordable food options to students on campus, right? Who otherwise might not have access to them. Um, so that's our target customer. How did you find like overall, like your in terms of the competitive landscape, like in, have, have other universities, did they have something like this? Or um, how did you, like what made you feel like this, this idea would um, fit into the UTD landscape that UTD students will kind of look into it and actually um, try, try this out? Yeah, so I think for UTD specifically, um, like a lot of the things that I mentioned before about, you know, the SU and the dining hall, um, just being here for two and a half years, I've heard this from a lot of people that they're pretty frustrated that this, like these healthy options don't exist. Um, and so I think we always knew there was a market at UTD um, for healthy food options. It was just a matter of like, how do we do this most efficiently? Like, how do we um, make it affordable so that it's something that people can actually buy um, how do we make it convenient so that people don't have to wait in line for half an hour to get their food, um, things like that. So it's, um, we always knew there was a market. I think it was a lot of just how do we make sure that we can execute um, this product correctly um, for this market. And, you know, in addition to UTD, I think this problem exists in many other colleges too. And it is definitely our goal to, you know, kind of help expand this product out to those colleges also once we figure out UTD um, for the most part. Yeah, to the, the earlier part of your question, um, talking about competitors, we did do some research and we found that other students and other universities have tried to, uh, to start something similar. So a, a big value add of, of Campus Oven is, is kind of our, our unique business model where we're connecting caterers to campus and we're doing it in a way that lowers our costs significantly. And in turn, that lowers the price of the food that we sell to uh, the students on campus. Um, and we, we're trying to kind of hold to the $7 price point um, that we think is, is kind of very feasible for students, um, regardless of where they about, are. How did you yeah. go about setting that price? Mostly we wanted to, to beat all the prices on campus um, and to kind of show that you can still achieve healthy food for, for a, a very affordable price. Um, and we felt like $7 is something that most students would be willing to spend per meal. Mm -hmm. um, and if you go to the SU, I think kind of the cheapest food option that you'll find is maybe Panda Express or Chick-fil-A, and you can easily kind of spend $8 plus there. Um, and so that was kind of the impetus behind the $7 price point. Got it. A, a follow-up to that, um, where, I guess you mentioned something about like caterers and um, sourcing from other, uh, sourcing the food from other places. So I kind of have like a two-part question. Um, where do you like source the food from? Like, how did you decide um, like which caterers to use? And then like, how do you decide which meals to pick? Because I was looking on the website and I, I know there's several different options, but how do you decide like what types of food to sell? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So for the first part of the question, how did we pick which caterer? Um, essentially, we went around Dallas and talked to a lot of different caterers um, about, you know, what their prices would look like, what kind of food options they could provide. Um, we had a huge list of questions for them. And after kind of receiving all the proposals, 
um, we decided to pick one caterer that we really liked. Um, we really vibed with the chef. We had his food, and me and Benny, as soon as we had it, we're like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" <laughs> it was the um, moment. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the moment. Um, and he specializes in meal prep too, so that was a great plus factor for us. And so um, we decided to go with him, and um, we really liked a lot of the other caterers too. And when we expand out to other universities, we'll definitely uh, look to rope them in and um, source them for our future food requirements. Um, but yeah, the first one that we picked, it was essentially just, we really liked the guy um, and he makes amazing food. So we decided to go with him. Um, and your second question, can you remind me again? The yeah, second uh, how did you decide um, what types of meals to sell to students? Because I know there's like a wide variety of what types of food students are interested in. Right. Um, so the main kind of thesis behind that was like, we want to offer a variety of options. Um, so like, I think right now we have about 10 to 12 food options on our website. Um, so we always want to have a wide variety of options so that um, I guess all students kind of feel included. So we have options that are vegan um, because there's a huge population on campus that um, eat vegetarian and vegan food. Mm -hmm. um, even in the non-vegan section, we have all sorts of meats. So we have, you know, chicken, beef turkey shrimp um and so we just kind of want to make sure that no one feels like they don't have a food option um that is right for them definitely um and the last thing on that is we also rotate the meal options every week so um you're not stuck eating the same food every week and uh we take the rotations pretty seriously just because we want to make sure that this is something that you know people are excited to eat Apart from bringing food on campus, um, I think I, uh, the question is like, what is your long-term goal with Campus Oven? Like, what do you what are you trying to shoot for? Yeah, I first I, I guess I can kind of take that from a personal angle that um, I've definitely struggled. I think throughout the past few years, like trying to find a balance between eating healthy uh, and the balance is kind of between cooking for yourself or trying to find healthy food that might be pricey elsewhere, kind of in, in restaurants and whatnot. Um, and I've never really been able to strike the right ba right balance. Um, and so while we were still, you know, pre-coronavirus, while we were at UTD, um, I started kind of living, I started living off of campus oven food. And it, I, honestly, it's it's delicious and, and kind of changed changed my meal habits for the better. Um, and we, we get quotes constantly from, from some of our customers about, um, I think one of the quotes was, um, I had a meal this morning Oh yeah, he said I had a meal this morning, and it's completely changed like my mood for the rest of the day. Um, so that kind of thing, hearing that input from customers has shown us that we're we're kind of building the right kind of product, right? Um, so just throwing that that two piece in there. As far as like long, <laughs> was the second part of your question, Hershini, long term plans for uh, yeah, campus seven here. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rohit, you wanna you wanna start on that one? Yeah, for sure. Um, so. I think long-term what we want to do is basically be an option for students um, that is currently not available on college campuses, because I do think, you know, healthy food is a, a huge, huge portion of how you feel. Like there are studies that show like around 80% of how you feel is just what you eat in a day. Um, and so instead of, um, uh, instead of having to choose between like fried chicken uh, or a burger, um, like, I want people to also see the options of, like, all right, there's healthy food. Um, if I eat this food, I'll feel much better for the day. Like, personally, 
when I came to college, like before college, it was always my mom's cooking and I always felt great. Um, but then <laughs> freshman year when I came here, um, it was really hard for me to find like healthy things that I could eat. And I found myself like just eating salads all the time at the, at the dining hall, which wasn't good. Um, and so it was really only sophomore year when I moved into my apartment that I could really have um, my own power to cook meals. But even then I didn't have a car. So it was really hard for me to go grocery shopping. Like I would have to hitch a ride with friends and stuff. Um, so it was really hard for me to, to cook too. Um, and so I essentially want this long-term to be an option where students can go to this place to go to Campus 7 to our website, order healthy meals um, and feel great um, throughout the rest of the, their day, both physically and mentally. Like recently I've been eating only Campus 7 meals um, and I've been feeling great. Like it's affordable. I don't have to spend five hours meal prepping every week. Um, and it's delicious, like way better than any kind of food that I would make. Like my food that I would make is chicken, rice, and broccoli, which tastes like crap. So um, it's it's really nice to know that this is like something that has changed my life personally. Um, I've seen it change like a lot of our other customers' lives. Like there are a lot of testimonials up on our website about how much this food has impacted people. Um, and I just hope to continue doing that, not just at UTD, but um, throughout other college campuses also. Yeah, it's awesome. I think um, it's a very relatable um, point too because I think college just like these four years I think for a lot of people it's it's a very up and down journey and our like mental health and physical health are things that kind of just get lost to the side um, especially if you don't take the time to look into it and be conscious of it so I think especially with, with what, what y'all are doing um, for me in my personal perspective I think in the long term um, you're adding a lot of value to really pushing people to be aware of what they're putting in their system um so yeah. they can function well yeah and, and the last thing i'll add to that is also um at least for me college has been kind of a time when i built a lot of um habits whether good or bad at least on the good side i've like started working out i didn't do that in high school um and i also started eating healthier sleeping on time and stuff like that and i think like there are a lot of habits that you kind of build in college that you'll carry out throughout your life. Um, like I definitely don't think I'll stop working out even when I start a job or um, start a company later down the road. Um, so I definitely think, you know, kind of getting students to build habits of healthy eating is gonna be really important for the rest of their lives too um, as they move forward. And being able to like kind of use Campus Oven for healthy eating, I think there's a huge advantage there too. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with that. I think starting those habits like early in college, uh, it's really important because as we go into the workforce, if if we're already having issues with trying to eat healthy, it's going to be even harder when we're handling a job and just trying to advance in our careers. Yeah, exactly. So I guess um, another question I have for you guys is for students who are interested in um, starting their own business, um, what's like a quick checklist of things that you guys had to go through when you were starting yours? I think it all starts with uh, building a team, right? Um, and I definitely find that all of the, any of the success that I've had in, in undergrad, whatever you might call success by any definition, uh, mm -hmm. has come from having good, or the people that I can lean on by my side, um, kind of helping build things. So I, I built, or I co-founded Comet Marketing, which is like a student-run marketing organization on campus a couple of years ago. 
Um, and without the team that I had, we wouldn't have been able to get where we were. And then actually one of the co-founders, one of our other co-founders, um, Logan Harlett, and maybe maybe we can go into the two other guys who have started the Campus Oven as well later, mm -hmm. um, Logan Harless and Yash Sethi. But Logan and I uh, also co-founded um, an organization. I'm sorry, I'm missing. Logan, Yash, and I, all three co-founded um, 180 Degrees Consulting, which is like a student-run um, consulting organization that does consulting for nonprofits in the community. Um, and... All of that has been because like we've we found that we could work well together and that was the first piece to, to kind of bringing in um, or starting this 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 idea. So once Logan, uh, Yash, Rohan and I kind of agreed to start start getting the ball rolling, that's when things, you know, the conversation even began. Um, that, that's where the conversation began. Definitely. So um, that, that's kind of the first of my checklist. Rohit, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say the biggest thing is team two, but you've already touched on that. Um, so I'd say the second biggest thing is actually doing stuff. Um, like, I can't tell you the number of people that I've come across that, like, talk about ideas. Uh, the difference between, like, idea and execution is huge. And so if anything, I would emphasize execution. Um, and so, like, if you have an idea, like, go out, build, a, build an MVP or minimal viable product. For us, that was like, all right, let's put up a website, tell a bunch of our friends, see if we get orders, and then go get to go to a caterer and get some meals. Like that's all we had to do, um, and that's how we started. So, I think the biggest, like the second biggest thing after the team is just like, go out and build your MVP, uh, and see if there's like any kind of product market fit. Yeah, I think tying into that, business is kind of like a like a big balloon that keeps expanding into whatever space it, it occupies. So as soon as you get the ball rolling, the business will, will carry you with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the starting point is always getting between idea and uh, kind of minimal viable product execution because everything in between those two things, that's where most ideas tend to die. And, uh, and so once you get past that, that's when, that's when the business really starts taking you along with it for the rest. And I would assume like, how do you, Sarah, go ahead. Oh. Oh yeah, sorry. I just had a question. How do you find the balance between um, that idea and execution you were talking about? Because I know that oftentimes people have ideas and they want to spend a lot of time develop developing them. But how do you like be like, oh, okay, now it's time for me to execute the idea? Like, how do you find that balance? I think it comes down to if you believe in the idea or you believe in the team that you've gathered around the idea. Or uh, um, I, I think it, it basically comes down to like setting the first step. You set mm -hmm. your first steps, and then you start walking the path, right? Um, as far as what balance to strike, it really comes down to: Do I have the right team? Do these people do do they feel invested in this? Like I feel like I can I can be, or am I going to be invested in this? Once you ask that question of yourself, it's very easy to start taking that first step. But you really have to commit to the idea. Um, once you do, it's good to raise doubts about the idea. That's how you constantly improve it. And those doubts might come in the form of feedback from your customers or just industry research and you see competitors doing something that you want to be doing too. Um, but it's important to still have the kind of determination to, 
to accomplish something or, or to, to get things done. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where you cross that, that bound. Rohit, with your, um, with your past, because you've had a past startup experience, right? Kind of in a similar field with the food delivery service. So when you guys kind of started out, right, mm -hmm. looking back, um, obviously there's kind of certain patterns of like when you, when you emphasize on execution, you, you set up your website, you get the ball rolling. Um, from your experience from the past startup, what were a couple of like, maybe not fires, but just maybe a couple of mistakes or things that you could have done differently in the beginning part of the execution process? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I think one mistake that we made with Fix was we didn't talk to the customers enough. Um, and that's definitely something that we're changing now. I think like um, there's, I took this Common X class at UTD once and the guy that teaches mm -hmm. it, his name is Shaz. I would definitely recommend everyone on this mm -hmm. podcast to take his class. He's amazing. Um, but one thing he said was like, your first initial customers are like your diamonds. Um, like don't let them go, like treat them really well um, and like get as much feedback from them as possible. And that's one thing that we didn't do with Fix that we are doing with Campus 7. Um, like all of us are calling like all the customers that have ever ordered from us and you know, getting on a call with them, talking to them for 10, 15 minutes and like asking them, how has your experience been? How can we improve? Things like that. Like even today when we delivered food, um, Benny and Logan wrote like a personalized thank you note for everyone that ordered. Um, and so just, I think, really treating your customers um, as valuably as possible is, I think, like a huge part of any B2C startup. Um, and that's one area where Fix failed that I don't think Campus Oven is going to fail at. What challenges have you guys faced when starting Campus Oven? Like from, because you guys launched pretty early of what, Febu February, right? End of January, February. Mm -hmm. So we had our alpha launch. We had our alpha launch at the end of uh, February. End of February. And then a beta at, and the beta at the start of March. Got yeah. it. So within within that time, right? So talk us through like the progress that you have made and maybe like, you know, how you've kind of adapted in the in the beginning. And then we'll kind of go into COVID right after. But um, based on like the traction you've been getting, um, obviously the amount of meals that you've sold, where like where you've realized, okay, this is something that we can keep pushing forward. Because I think like you mentioned, Rohit, like getting that initial customer feedback and listening in is kind of like your pointer into what direction you should be going into. So for y'all, when was that point where you're like, okay, we're starting to get people actually interested in this. And we're just going to keep pushing this forward. Right before coronavirus, <laughs> I think was kind of the big uh, big point there. Um, we, we were starting to get a, a little bit of traction and uh, we're also finding that now kind of in the coronavirus age, a lot of the things that we're doing for marketing um, are effective now and as a result would have been much more effective before coronavirus too. Uh, but that's not to say that we, we haven't pivoted well and we can, we can go into that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um... As far as traction, uh, unfortunately, we only got like two weeks of normal deliveries before yeah. coronavirus hit. Um, but during both of those deliveries, um, we kind of, so at least for the first one, we kind of limited the number of people that ordered just so that like, even if we screw up, we don't screw up for like hundreds of people. Um, these are people that we trusted. So um, on that order, we got around 100 meals, surprisingly. Um, and then we got great feedback. Um, and then on the second week, too, we got slightly more uh, than 100 meals. And so we, we were getting more traction. And on the second week, it was from a lot of people that we didn't even know, um, in, including some Instagram foodies. Um, and yeah. And so, you know, it was going pretty well. And we were expecting we would hit like, you know, around 500 meals per week by the end of the semester. 
Uh, then obviously coronavirus broke out and um, that traction yeah. is yet to be seen. Um, but we've, we've been able to pivot uh, quite well and we're still delivering meals. So post-corona, right? Yeah. The post, like you mentioned, the post-corona age. Um, how do y'all, how do y'all see yourself pivoting this company? And like, you know, obviously you've, you've, or I think a better question would be, what are some key business lessons you're learning so far right now? Because I think this, this yeah. period for a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of really successful companies are kind of taking the hit. Um, so even for startups, especially, right? So what are some key lessons that you're learning lifetime that you think, you know, for future students or even people who are wanting to start out something, these are things to kind of keep in mind. Yeah, I, I can jump in on that real quick. Um, I think that right now, a lot of people are scared and fearful for what's going to happen in the future. And um, it's scary to even go to the grocery store. And I think a lot of the bigger companies are, are pivoting in a way that makes it that easy, as easy for customers who are in that kind of state of fear to still uh, use their service. So for instance, Chipotle, I mean, you're seeing a trend, restaurants and um, meal delivery companies, whatever, are, are all pivoting to free delivery. And so we thought, okay, this makes sense. We'll do the same. Um, and so we began to offer kind of free contactless delivery. Uh, and that's worked out really well. It's helped us kind of keep our volume and start pushing the bound again, which we were doing right before Corona hit. Um, and that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, on my side, if you remember anything that I say, I think the biggest thing that I'm going to say is from crisis comes opportunity. Um, and you know, coronavirus is obviously a huge crisis, but for the people looking for it, there's also a huge opportunity. Um, and like, especially in food delivery, there, there is like a pretty sizable opportunity um, because people don't want to go out um, to restaurants for pickup or like um, get exposed to the virus by going outside. Um, so what we've been able to do is kind of pivot to a contactless delivery business model, um, which is like much harder than just a standard pickup model. Um, but I think the pivot has helped us a lot. And another thing that we're really excited about is um, there are a lot of nonprofits that are delivering food to uh, doctors, nurses, and other people, other healthcare workers that are on the front line. And so we're going to start partnering with these nonprofits to offer all their meals for them. Um, and so I think there are a lot of opportunities out there, um, despite the COVID crisis. And it's like, it's a much better like mindset to go into it thinking, oh, uh, let me figure out how I can add value, how I can help during this crisis versus like, oh, this crisis has hit us. Now we can't do anything. Let's just For sit sure. back and stop. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's definitely a time so to step up, like I think right after Corona, like I think once this thing settles down, I think a lot of people are, um, like you mentioned, like with crisis comes opportunity, like there's so many ways that, you know, our, our, our generation, or even like, you know, we'll kind of go into it, uh, go into about like some of the classes and resources that helped y'all. But um, before that, what, what do y'all? Well, I guess if you're interested in entrepreneurship, uh, I think the coronavirus thing is not going to last too long. It seems like the curve is flattening. Uh, so I'll speak on a little, a little bit of a broader sense. Um, I do think there are many, many problems out there um, in the world um, that need to be solved. Um, like there are obviously huge, massive structural problems, but I think there's also just like very simple problems. Like um, one of my friends today was just texting me about this business that he's thinking about starting that has to do with like, um, basically when you're trying to get a flight license, there's a lot of like, complications and the application process and he wants to simplify it so things like that where it's like very niche not too hard to solve 
but it would be a huge value add. Um, I'd be looking for problems like that that are more niche and seeing and like trying to solve those problems. Um, and as for like, I guess the basic mindset of how to approach it, um, I think there's always going to be like, these things are always going to look really, really hard when you look at it, all of it at once. Um, I think it's much, much easier to just like say, okay, I'm going to spend one or two hours a day working on this. And I'm going to promise myself that I'm going to do this for a month. And I think you'd be very surprised how much you can get done in a month if you have that kind of a mindset versus like, oh my God, this is so much to do all at once. Let me not even do it. Consistency. Exactly. Consistency is huge. Um, and like building that habit of consistency, I think like at the end of the month, it'll be way easier to keep doing that. Um, like keep enforcing that habit versus trying to do everything at once. I think we're wondering specifically, um, I think the other part was like any like uh, resources and classes that you guys have taken at UTD that have really helped you um, like in your uh, journey with Campus Evan. Mm -hmm. Robin? Yeah, resources. I'd say there are many resources, um, especially at Blackstone Launchpad. So I think one of the biggest things for me was like talking to people um, like Brian Chambers and Alex Trees. Uh, Alex Trees specifically has been a pretty huge mentor and a great guy uh, if you ever want to talk to him about startup or business related stuff. Um, and then a lot of other ones. I don't know if Steve Gingrich still works at UTD, but he was a, he was a great one, Paul Nichols. Um, so essentially just talking to people who have seen many startups, who have seen um, a lot of deals, getting their take and getting their advice on what to do. I remember my, my first ever conversation um, that was entrepreneurship related at UTD was with Brian Chambers, um, where he was like, uh, yeah, people think entrepreneurship is great, but you have to realize entrepreneurship is just eating shit for years and years until some magical day you get some coffee stick for And what he said is definitely true. Um, and like getting perspectives and takes from people that have seen so many things um, and who are just readily available at UTD, I think is huge. Um, and as far as classes go, um, I think the seed fund is a great, great class because it teaches you the other side of startups, uh, which is the VC investing side. Um, and then having that take, you can analyze your current idea and think about, okay, is this idea really feasible? Uh, if I was an investor, would I invest in this idea? Um, okay, maybe this idea isn't that great and I'll think about something else. Um, so that class is a great, great resource for like um, just coming up with ideas. Um, and then the other class I'd recommend is Comet X taught by Shaz that I mentioned before. Um, you know, Shaz is a seasoned entrepreneur and he's just like a really personable, fun guy and really helps you. Um, like he still helps me to this day on like questions that I send him. Um, and he's very invested in UTD students, but he's, he's great for learning how to execute. Um, once you have your idea and once you've, um, started working on it. He's a great guy to go to to learn how to execute. So I think those are the big resources that I would mention. Yeah, and I'd echo everything Rohit said and probably uh, maybe approaching it from a different angle. Um, like finding and holding on to key mentors uh, in the UT Dallas space. It's very easy. I think it's relatively easy to, to find really good mentors on campus. Um, I mean, I could throw out a few names there, like Eric Kildebeck, Matt Polsey, Brian Chambers, for one, um, these people have, you know, years of experience on you. 
So if you want to kind of skip through the mistakes that they might have made, take their advice and cultivate those relationships. And I wish I had done a little bit more of that. Campus Summit has a really strong chance of succeeding and, and I want to be there for, along for the ride. Um, and I don't know, we'll see where, where things take. I, I haven't uh, drawn up that five-year plan, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to kind of going free form at the future and see where it takes me. Right, what about you? Uh, yeah, for me, um, I obviously have a year and a half left at UTD, um, and we'll see what happens with Campus Evan then. Uh, but I'm actually really, really excited for what's uh, on the horizon for Campus Evan um, because we do have a lot of subscribers who are now interested in the company and are interested in buying our meals whenever school reopens. Um, so I do think we can hit really large numbers whenever school reopens and uh, it'll be really fun to expand the same idea and the same uh, vision from UTD to a bunch of other um, campuses around Dallas and Texas, uh, because I do think it's a pretty easily scalable idea. Um, so like all of us are really excited for that. When you talk about scalability, what goes into like, what do you, can you break that down? Like if, if you're when cause a lot of times you'll hear entrepreneurs or VC um, people talk about scalability, I mean, scalability and being able to sustain a business or an idea. Yeah, so they kind of they they use, yeah, use it as a buzzword. They use it as a buzzword, but what does it exactly mean to scale? Like, like you know, if you break it down into baby steps, um, what are some key um, factors or metrics that define scalability? Definitely a lot of that that goes into it. Um, a big plan that we have once we... Um, can start kind of looking to expand to other universities is building a network um, at the university to do a similar marketing scheme to what we've been doing at UT Dallas, which is kind of finding key players or, or people with kind of large networks and um, branching through them to, to capture more of the market. So once we do that at new universities, we want to also be able to establish a plan for finding um, kind of reliable trusty caterers or expanding with our current caterer um, to meet kind of that, that new demand, that new market. Um, and then maybe in the long term, it, it could look like getting a production facility, um, getting a production facility that we can um, kind of produce our food at in a, in a more centralized location. And that will definitely like help lower costs and increase scale and, and production and supply and all those things that go into meeting a higher demand. So those are some starting steps. Yeah. And a, a quick addition. Uh, I think for the scalability point specifically, I'll give like an example. Um, like suppose you started a restaurant in Richardson and it was going well. Um, and now you want to start like another restaurant, maybe in like downtown Dallas. Um, it's going to take a lot of capital investment to buy real estate in Dallas, like a lot of uh, expenses to pay people um, to put up the tables, to do the waiting um, to make the food, to even buy all the infrastructure built, uh, needed for cooking. So there's a lot, a lot of steps that it takes every time you build a new restaurant. Um, and it's very, very cost prohibitive versus I think our business model, what's really cool is like if we create a platform that simply connects caterers and college students, it's very easy to add another caterer and another college student um, onto the platform. So every time we add a new campus to say SMU, all we'll do is like add them into um, Campus 7 on our platform and we'll add another caterer that matches with them. And then the, the hard part would be marketing on campus. Um, but what our plan is right now is to get, is to contact people 
out on campus um, who will kind of be our ambassadors for Campus Seven, and then they will help market it for us. Um, and we can kind of build our customer yeah. base that way. Um, like our, our teammate Logan Harless. Yeah. Our, our teammate Logan Harless. He's uh, he's working on a bacon number tool, um, basically to try to find like the quickest way to connect to the most people possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of in the works, and more on that uh, another time. Definitely. Well, I just want to say. Um, congratulations on like all of the success you guys have achieved so far. Um, I, I know that this is definitely uh, something that is of use to a lot of students at UTD and will be to other college students. Um, where is like, what's a good way for students to like reach out to you if they're interested in learning more about your company? Yeah, we have a very active Instagram page. Um, it's at Campus7. So um, as simple as it gets. And uh, you can also check us out on our website, uh, www.campus7.com. Um, we're opening up kind of new social media platforms, uh, new pages. Um, so be on the lookout for those. But uh, search Campus 7 and you should be able to find us. Awesome. And uh, if you want to connect with us personally, just reach out to us on LinkedIn or email. I'm sure all the UTD emails are just as standard, rohit.chanoi.utdallas.edu. And- I'll probably just be benjamin.rubinov at utdallas.edu for Benny, right? Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you all so much for your time. Um, It was really cool to hearing kind of like the backstory of Campus Oven. Um, And it's even more cooler that y'all are, you know, at this time being in college that you're doing this. And I think it really defines like what being in college is about, trying new things and really just experimenting with what you're interested in. So I really hope that um, more students can kind of follow that path, um, especially with some of the solid advices that you guys have given on on the show so thank you for that and keep us posted and we're super excited for campus oven so let us know absolutely hey we we appreciate we appreciate you taking the time to to set this up and and having us on the on the podcast (laughs) 